0: What's up everyone and welcome to episode 176 of the Justin Insight Podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and their journey through it. Uh I know I've said this before, but if this is your first episode of 2021, Happy New Year everyone. We are back to our regular scheduled programming for this week and our first in-depth interview of the year. Um Thank you for everyone that checked out the track by track with entry uh, on the 1st of January. I'll wait to kick off 2020, 2021. Fucking hell. I knew I'd make that slip up, but here we go. It's bound to happen. Um, If you haven't listened to that episode, then there was a couple of things I said at the top of the show that I will just reiterate now. Um, Obviously, we're going to be looking to do our regular Tuesday shows with this where we get guests on and and talk to them about their journey through music. I've got a couple lined up already uh, for this month, Um, but also kind of wanted to spread the the love a little bit. And when we have kind of like big occasions or sort of like monthly events in terms of the world of music in general, uh, or the world in general, so I'm kind of thinking uh, like Pride Month and... Uh, like Alzheimer's awareness and other things like that where I want to kind of talk to people who are involved in organizations that help people in the world of music so uh, I'm off the top of my head I'm with the Alzheimer's I'm kind of thinking kind of like music therapy kind of things and stuff like that so if anyone knows anyone in those worlds or is involved in those worlds and please get in touch with the show. I'd love to hear from you and love to kind of sort something out for, for down the line. Um, you can get in touch with me on all various social medias. It's just underscore and underscore insight um, or email is just underscore and underscore insight at hotmail.co.uk. Um, now all that lovely stuff is out the way. Uh, nothing much to really report in terms of, of this week ahead of of our guest chat because we're only in the first week of january we did have the dirty nil record come out on on new year's day which is really cool so if you like your rock and roll with the catchy hooks and definitely go check that out um i mean you should check it out just for the artwork alone i think it's probably the, some of the best artwork i've seen in a very long time um but yeah, apart from that, not a whole lot to to report from us and what, what I've been listening to or what I've been into this week, still kind of getting off the back of the the Christmas break that we had. Um, so yeah, I'm going to stop blabbering on and I'm going to get on to our guests. Uh, and this week I am joined by a guitarist of uh, Doom Metalers, uh, Fires in the Distance, Igor um This was recorded quite a while ago now um, in terms of the time that this is putting out, but we obviously talk about uh, the band's new record. We talk about how Igor kind of got into music via the soundtrack of the Mortal Kombat movie and sort of listening to bands like Fear Factory. Um, How Fires in the Distance kind of overlapped with a previous project that he was part of, which you will hear in the discussion And how that's kind of grown and picked up traction and what it's obviously been like kind of releasing an album and kind of getting a push during a pandemic as well. So, yeah, please sit back, enjoy the chat I have with Hugo and I'll see you on the other side. So joining me this week on the Justin Inside podcast is Archaic Decapitator and Fires in the Distance guitarist Igor Savonin. Igor, thank you very much for taking some time out of your day to have a little chat with me. Um obviously we'll rattle through things in a moment, but Fires in the Distance, obviously new record out in a weird time with the, the pandemic kind of going on, but how, how are you kind of feeling now that the record's out and you're sort of starting to get feedback? How are you How are you seeing things in your perspective? Uh, it's,
1: it's been doing way better than uh, I expected, honestly, in this, in this strange time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we didn't really expect that much of a, a positive reaction uh, to this album, uh, especially during the lockdown, but uh, it's, it's it's been absolutely incredible. So uh, you know that that kind of mm. gives us uh, a bit of more drive to you know keep going forward um, and writing more music. But honestly, we I, I think we expected uh, much more of a dim year considering nobody can tour and you know nobody can play shows. But mm. uh, we've been doing the best that we can as far as like keeping an online presence and recording videos and putting out content. And it's I've uh, been. Received really well, and you know, really grateful for that.
0: Mm. And we'll get into it in a bit more detail in a moment. But I just want to kind of ask, because obviously this is your your debut album with this band. Obviously, I know you've done other stuff that we'll talk about in a moment. But was was there kind of any sort of urge from your guys' point of view that because of everything that's happening at the moment to sort of delay things, or did you just want to get it out in the world and just see where the land lied sort of thing? No. um, Well, I started writing music for
1: this particular project back in 2016, and it was never meant to be uh, anything more than a studio project. Right. Um, And, you know, over a matter of a year, you know, I showed some of my work to uh, a couple of friends of mine that are currently in my band and, uh, you know, they, they were all enthusiastic about it and they, you know, encouraged me to get this into you know more of a a tangible type of state and um you know uh two years later we put a, a group of people together and uh we started practicing and recording and we were supposed we were planning on um putting out the album in may of this year we just got really fortunate that you know, somebody from Prosthetic Records heard the music and they enjoyed it enough to offer us a deal. So, um, you know, when that happened, there was a delay. Uh, yeah. It was like a you know, couple of months into September. But, you know, it was, it was supposed to be out a little bit earlier. But, uh, you know, when the opportunity came up it's just like you don't just not take the opportunity
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's al- almost like a, a, a delay for a good reason
1: right yeah and which, yeah. which was kind of tough but at the same time it's like it's worth it because like you know we've been working on this uh these six songs for so long and it's just like we were just so ready to get them out there you know uh, independently and then that happened it's just like all right i guess we can wait a couple more months it's to a top in the pocket <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> compared to the- grand scheme of things so
0: that's cool well as i've mentioned of before we kind of hit record obviously i always like to take my guests back to their their roots so to say so how i kind of always open things up is to ask like what kind of got you into alternative music like what was your kind of first exposure to to that world
1: well this this is a funny story um i i think i I told all my friends uh i i grew up in moscow uh right you know i only moved to the states when i was Ten years old so I remember uh, watching the movie Mortal Kombat <laughs> okay and uh, at some point I was uh, at, a, at a subway or something with my brother and there was a kiosk with a bunch of tapes and they had the Mortal Kombat soundtrack uh, hmm. on, on a cassette and I bought it and it had a uh, napalm death uh, twist a knife on it from fear emptiness spear which funny enough I have right here. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so that was my really uh, like first exposure into death metal. But I remember hearing it for the first time because I, I grew up on, you know, things like Queen and Pink Floyd and stuff like that. And uh, I, I never really heard like heavier music back in the very early 90s until I heard that song. And then when I heard it, I was like, oh, shit. Like, this is, <laughs> yeah. this is pretty cool. So that's what kind of got me into heavier music. Um, I mean, it was definitely like a slow uptake. I think in the earlier 2000s, I um, started getting more into, like, the European melodic death metal stuff, like Demi Zero yeah. and Flames, and, you know, Children the Bodom back in the day, uh, Dark Tranquility, stuff like that. Um, so that's kind of like where my, current influences are more uh, geared toward but as far as the origin of Death Metal it was definitely Napalm Death
0: mm. so in terms of like that kind of more combat sort of uh, soundtrack because I think weirdly enough I was kind of listening to something recently where um, Dino from Fear Factory was actually talking about that soundtrack so it's kind of a weird coincidence
1: yeah because um, a zero signal on it
0: yes yeah but in terms of kind of that like because as you say, like listening to sort of like Queen and Pink Floyd and things like that, were were you kind of always like leaning like towards like the heavier side of things, and then that kind of pushed you over the edge, or was this kind of like a shock to the system, and that's what you enjoyed?
1: Um, yes and no. I mean, I grew up in a musical family. Uh, you know, on my mother's side, everybody was a piano teacher. And, uh, right. you know, they've always had classical music around. And I was always uh, very intrigued by um, cellos and violins and piano uh, across the board. So, um, as far as the heavier side of things, I think that was definitely like taking it to the next level. I'm just, I was just very intrigued by um, that kind of like new thing. You know what I mean? But. Mm. Um, I was I was enamored with with music since I can ever remember so
0: yeah and then obviously spinning off from kind of like Napalm Death and kind of I guess kind of going down, down that wormhole so to say mm-hmm. like what what were the other bands that you were discovering then like kind of off the back of that like w- were you digging around for other bands that sounded like Napalm Death Or was it just kind of happenstance that that was the band that you gravitated towards? It just,
1: it was kind of happenstance, really. Um, I only started digging around more for for music like that a couple of years down the road, because I I grew up listening to, like, before I even discovered Napalm Death, I grew up listening to more electronic music. Um, Okay. You know, uh, like, the Prodigy's music for the Jilted Generation was, like, my soundtrack when I was a kid. Um, and I had like a, all of their remixes on tape and stuff like that. on like cassettes all over the place, like bootlegs, you know, like everything. Um, and just like rave and techno stuff. Cause that was like the big thing back in the early nineties, like late eighties. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, especially in Russia because, you know, post the, the Soviet union collapse, everybody was trying to gravitate more toward the West and, um, you know the the closest thing nearby was the uk so (laughs) the product was a big thing over there so that was i think uh what got a lot of people into it but uh um yeah no i i didn't really start digging around for heavier music up until like the late 90s early 2000s and that's like i said when i came across bands like mashuga and soil work and uh dark tranquility and and flames and stuff like that and 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 that's like when i really started to kind of discover my uh further interest in, in 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 metal because i was mm. discovering all these new you know genres and i was like holy shit like there's there's more to it <laughs>
0: yeah so. and you mentioned obviously like growing up in a in a mu- musical family like with sort of like your your parents being sort of um music teachers and, your, and things like that so when you were kind of like younger growing up like were you kind of encouraged to sort of play different, different instruments?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I started out with piano. Um, and that was really the only instrument that I was, uh, I wouldn't say encouraged. It was m- more, a little bit forced to play. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and I never really liked it. Uh, and I never really took, uh, that much of an affinity to it until, way later um uh, but i mm. i picked up the guitar on my own when i was you know 15 16 years old something like that just out of interest because i wanted to challenge myself and i really enjoyed what i was hearing and i wanted to like you know contribute uh toward it so um yeah so,
0: mm. so did did you play anything else or was piano kind no, of it like was just the... piano when
1: i was growing up you know the, yeah the guitar thing i just picked up on my own
0: hmm so then in terms of because you mentioned obviously moving to the states but i just kind of want to focus on on you kind of growing up in moscow for a moment so in terms of that obviously i know you were you were younger but were you kind of aware of like any sort of music scene around you or was it kind of just predominantly like what your your family will listening to yeah
1: no As far like i I was aware of, like, Russian folk bands and, you know, Russian goth and rock bands and stuff like that because my, my folks listened to it, um, which I still enjoy to this day. But I never had the opportunity to go to any concerts or anything like that uh, while I was growing up. It, it just wasn't, you know, in the cards at the time. So.
0: Mm. And so in terms of you moving to the States, well, what was the reasoning behind that? Was it just sort of your, your family wanted to move? Yeah,
1: or? yeah, yeah. My, my father got a job uh, here. He's a engineer, a computer programmer. He works for uh, General Electric. He's worked for multiple different companies over the years. So he got a job in the States and uh, we just kind of followed after a couple of years of him being here.
0: Mm. Uh, and was that straight to to connecticut where you are or, or yeah yeah or yeah it,
1: it was straight to connecticut i mean i i grew up in connecticut um when i was 20 years old i moved to california i lived in uh, san francisco for a number of years and i just moved back to connecticut uh mm. like a few years back so
0: mm. and then so in terms of like you mentioned obviously kind of picking up guitar when you were sort of like 14 15 sort of just because it was something of interest and and things like that. But was that something that, like, I don't know, because obviously you'd come from a musical background, that you'd wanted to sort of find an instrument that, that was kind of yours? Or was it just because you were kind of now discovering more of this music that you were like, oh, this is something that I can try my hand to? Like,
1: growing up listening to Queen and seeing a couple of Queen concerts on, like, VHS and stuff like that, I always idolize Brian May as a guitar player. right? And uh, I, to this day, I think his, his feel is uh, unequivocal. I think, I think it's uh, not, not, not to mention the fact that the guy's got a degree in astrophysics, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> His he just unlocked uh, the guitar. And I, 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 you know, I always uh, idolize his persona on stage and his playing and, uh, you know, I grew up kind of wanting to be like that dude. So that's what mm. I kind of want to pick up the guitar and like take it into my own direction. Not to say that I will ever remotely achieve you know, any <laughs> yeah. level of his kind of playing, but uh, it was an influence
0: nonetheless. Mm. And then so in terms of you kind of like, I guess, kind of making a transition from sort of like just listening to music to, to kind of playing like as you say kind of picking up the guitar and and things like that but when you were sort of like growing up around sort of like the teenage years in in connecticut and stuff were you sort of starting to discover that there was kind of a bit of a scene around or did that come a little bit later
1: um yeah no that definitely came later i mean uh, when i was in like middle school and stuff like that or junior high school whatever um you know you hear stuff on the radio that's a little bit heavier and you kind of pick up on it you know and then you go to a couple of concerts, like at a local venue, and then, you know, like I, once I started discovering heavier music on my own, um, like I said in the early two thousands, that's when I started like buying tickets to. I think like one of my most memorable shows back in two thousand four was a uh, uh, Dimmu Borgir, uh, Children of Bodom, Hypocrisy, and Nevermore on the same day.
0: That's a strong lineup. <laughs>
1: yeah. And uh, that's when Demobore Gear was uh, touring for their um, Death Cult Armageddon album.
0: Okay. And, cool. and
1: I, I, the only two albums I've ever heard from them were uh, Puritanical Misanthropy and Death Call Armageddon, because Nick Barker played on those albums. I'm a huge Nick Barker fan. So I was like, all mm. right, so they are, uh, I got to get these tickets. <laughs> so that was my <laughs> first, like, really, really heavy gig. And once you go to one of those, it's, uh, you know, you're hooked. It's just like, all right, I got to get more
0: tickets. <laughs> mm. so. And then in terms of you kind of like actually sort of playing like music yourself and kind of starting bands, like when you were, were kind of like, I don't know, like uh, either recruiting other members or kind of being asked to join bands and things like that, were you actively like seeking to kind of join or start like a heavier band or did you just yeah. kind of want that need to play a guitar sort of thing? No,
1: absolutely. I was, uh, you know, uh, in the very first band that I joined, I, you know, the members I, I met at those same, at the same shows, you know, okay. like, uh, standing outside smoking a cigarette or whatever. And, you know, we we're talking about music and somebody would say like, Hey, well, I play guitar and I play guitar. You know what I mean? You want to get together and then, you know, it just kind of, just happened you know this, yeah um, i wasn't necessarily looking for it but when the opportunity came up i was like why not i mean this this would be cool so
0: and so in terms of like i guess the the quote-unquote first band so to say like what's the the first band that you can kind of say that you're you're proud of being your first band? Because i think like some people obviously have like college bands and things like that that they maybe you're a little bit embarrassed of sort of thing, but was there, was there a first band that you can remember sort of like starting and being like, Oh cool. Like this is, Oh, absolutely. I know this is what I want to do sort of thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I was in a band called engraved, um, back in 2005, something like that. And I was, uh, playing the same guy that I met at that hypocrisy show. Um, Mm. he was a very gifted guy. His name was Nate. Um, very neoclassically driven. a um, Huge fan of Children of Bodom and Flames, and you know he, he was just off the charts with his uh, creativity. So I joined the band as a rhythm guitar player, and uh, we—I mean, we did fairly well in the local scene of uh, the few years that we were active. And I mean, it was really cool. It was uh, the music was very akin to like Colony by In Flames or like you know Skyfire stuff like that um it was it was a lot of fun but as far as like i branched off from that because i was always writing my own things but i never really had the at the time i never really had the courage to like start something else on my own so yeah the drummer of that band and myself branched off into archaic decapitator
0: and we,
1: we started that practically when we were kids we were like 18 19 years old and you know, at the time we were writing really gritty, like dirty death metal. My favorite album at that time was uh, Nightmares Made Flesh by Bloodbath. You know, I was like huge into Swedish death metal, mm. so, like Dismember and stuff like that, Entombed. So, um, you know, we started writing stuff along those lines, no metronome, <laughs> you know, just like, <laughs> just like gritty, dirty stuff. And uh, that lasted up until I moved uh, to California. And, you mm. know, when I moved over there, all these bands kind of, well, not engraved because I wasn't writing for that band, but like our Ar- Archaic Decapitator just uh, fell to the wayside because I've always, you know, all of my projects that I've been in, I, I write all the music for. So, yeah. I you know, when I moved, it just kind of fell apart. And mm. then uh, when I came back a few a few years Few years ago, like I think, two thousand fifteen, I moved back to Connecticut. We picked up with Archaic Decapitator again, uh, but it was in a way different direction. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, way more melodic death metal. Uh, you know, we, we wrote what, three three EPs, something like that. We worked with Kevin Talley on one of them, um, and it, it was uh, it was it was straight up like black and melodic death metal. Um, mm. So it's, it's, you know, just kind of weaved in, in over the years into something new. But uh, I think as far as the band that I'm most proud of, uh, outside of Fires, obviously, um, is Archaic Decapitator, for sure. Like it's yeah. just, it's Because that band has grown so much over a fairly short period of time. And the last EP we put out, uh, which is called The Apothecary, is... Uh, an, like, it's, it's hard being proud of your music as a, as an artist in the music <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. you're always wanting to improve and you never really like your music. You know what I mean? Because it's never finished, but uh, in, in, in your head. But, um, you know, the last band I was really satisfied with uh, in those terms is definitely Archaic and, and the, our last EP, The Apothecary. I think that mm. and the, that band is over, unfortunately. Um, but I think we we ended on a good note, and I'm you know really proud
0: of that EP. So, mm. and in terms of kind of like you mentioned before, like you joined sort of engraved, obviously, and before okay to capitate started, like you were always kind of writing your own stuff anyway. And I always find it interesting, like how different musicians kind of approach sort of writing and how they kind of come to it. And obviously, like you mentioned earlier, like coming from a very musical background. So did you kind of always have an ear of like how to structure a song and things like that or was it just kind of fiddling around with the guitar and then sort of like working it out along the along the road kind of thing?
1: I think it's just like from hours and hours of listening to music and just internalizing structure. Um like I'm not a shredder by any means. I'm not like a you know show-offy type of guitar player but i Mm. i have like i have an inclination of how to put a song together um but yeah no it's um it's a tough question (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah i don't i don't i don't really know uh honestly i'm not not really too sure i i just uh you know, just from, from from listening to so much over the years as far as, like, even electronic music and layering and, and structure altogether, I think I was always more interested in the rhythmical side of um, songwriting than, mm. you know, the flashier parts of things, so. Yeah. Um, so, I've, I mean, I guess to some, somewhat answer your queries, like, I guess I'm more geared toward, like, the structure piece of things than... Than anything else based, yeah. based on that you
0: know mm. and in terms of like when you sort of started playing like if we start specifically within grade like you've mentioned that sort of there was a bit of a, a kind of a, a local following but did you kind of do much sort of like out of town or out of state or anything like that or was no. it kind of very much like in a bubble
1: not at all yeah no it, <laughs> it was because yeah, i was young i mean i was i was 18 years old i was just uh, you know Getting out of high school, going to college, like there was there was no traveling involved until I was in my early twenties. So
2: mm. when
1: I hit my early twenties, I moved out to California. So it's uh, right, you know. And funny enough, but the biggest reason why I moved back to Connecticut is because I couldn't find anybody to play music with in California. Is uh, right. in San Francisco is uh, much of a musical town as it is. You know, I used to go to shows by myself. Uh, I, I would go see like Arsis and Devin Townsend and. You know, neuraxis and stuff like that, and just like stand outside, smoke, and uh, just you know start talking to people, and just throw in the, the old uh, "Hey, do you play an instrument?" And uh, it's never worked out. And then after you know, I was there four years, five years, something like that. I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I got to be in the band. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> so I, I packed up my bags and moved back.
0: So then, in terms of kind of like, I guess because I always find it interesting in terms of like going out and touring and, and things like that. So I'm I'm making the assumption that sort of that didn't kind of happen until you kind of came back from California or, oh, yeah. or did you kind of do things the, in the first iteration of Archaic to I mean, or was that yeah, later? I
1: mean, in the first uh, generation, as you say, like we, we played many, many shows like all over the New England area, you know, Massachusetts, obviously Connecticut uh rhode island new hampshire vermont you know stuff like that we we just you know but they're they're just like one night gigs but uh you know we we kind of traveled all over the place but we never really toured because that just you know wasn't an option at the time but Mm. we we played as as much as we could you know
0: Mm. and then so in terms of kind of like you mentioned then earlier obviously like when you kind of came back and picked it back up like there was like this slight shift in sound and and things like that and I don't know kind of looking back like in hindsight was that a, a conscious decision from your part of like where you wanted that to go or do you think that because you'd had this time away that you were able to kind of I don't know like obviously everyone has like growth uh, right like naturally and things like that that yeah. your musical taste kind of went that way like how did well, that all kind of A change? little bit of both because like when
1: it because I did have those years away uh during those years I was still writing but it was more it just you know for for myself uh it took me like a little while uh to get like a little home studio going get like know a couple of monitors and like a recording setup and then i i would still write and program drums and just you know it just didn't really go anywhere but at the same time i was still developing like a new sound for me so Hmm. and then when i came back and i involved you know uh craig and you know several other people um that was uh kind of a product of what i'd been working on while i was away you know because I, I I didn't I didn't just put the guitar down uh, yeah you know when I was living outside of the state I you know I kept working on it myself but you know when I came back it was just kind of an evolution of everything that I worked on alone and it was just like okay're we're, we're gonna go in this direction and see where that goes
0: mm. and in terms of you kind of actually like moving to as you say San Francisco like and now you you mentioned unfortunately like nothing kind of sparked in terms of forming a band, but was was that kind of an impetus for the move or were, or yeah, no, was absolutely. it kind of for other reasons?
1: Yeah, I mean, San Francisco is a, I mean, was a beautiful city. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know what it's like now, and I frankly don't think I want to find out, but uh, <laughs> like uh, back when I was there, it was a gorgeous city with a lot of beautiful people. The the only thing is like, it's there's a lot of musicians there but just not a lot of metal musicians. You know, Most right. metal, from what I've been told, is in um, Oakland. Um, you know, and I, I, I lived in Berkeley for a little while, but I, I never really witnessed it myself. Um, it, it, I don't know. It's just really tough to really find people that didn't play like Stoner Rock. Right. <laughs> so I just, I don't know. It was after years and years of trying to find folks. And I would, you know, I would run across some people here and there, but what I found uh, out was that there was like two kinds of people. There was people that would like really boast about themselves and build themselves up and they really couldn't play well. And then there's people that could really play well, which I would see live in their other bands, but they were just really flaky and they would just never be around or available. So, you know, after a while, it's just like, all right, man, I can't find a common ground here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: And obviously, you, like, between the sort of move, so what? how long was the, the gap between sort of going to San Francisco and then coming back to Connecticut? Mm,
1: about four years, I
0: think 2010,
1: okay. and I came back in 2014 or 15, something like that.
0: Yeah. So the, the reason I ask is because like obviously you mentioned that, okay, it's, it was sort of doing like these one-off shows and, and sort of. In various sort of towns and cities and things like that, and obviously, then you came back to it. Yeah, and like I like could be being very presumptuous here, but when you guys kind of did come back, was there like an appetite for it in terms of like fans kind of oh, like yeah, Absolutely. being excited that you were back? Yeah, no, of course. I mean, um,
1: thankfully, not of course, that's that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a bad word to use, but uh, I, I, the only reason why I say that is because like we were lucky enough to build up a uh, somewhat of a following in Connecticut and New England with Archaic Decafetator before I left. Um, and then when we came back, it was like kind of like a, a local grand reunion type of thing. Yeah. And so that, that was kind of fun. Not on any grand scale whatsoever. I'm sure nobody's heard of Archaic Decafetator outside of <laughs> Connecticut, but, uh, you know, locally between, you know, people that we knew, And in the tri-state area, like, yeah, it was, uh, it was, you know, people were really happy that we were back, so.
0: Mm. And in terms of, like, the, I know we've already kind of mentioned, like, the, the shift in sound, but, like, for you personally, like, I guess kind of after having that frustration of not finding a band when you moved away did you kind of feel like revitalized and re-energized, like coming... And especially coming back to a band that you were so familiar with, like in terms of the other personnel. Yeah. Like, did, did you kind of feel like there was like a fresh energy put into the band? Absolutely. I mean, 100%. It was, it was like, uh, you know,
1: having a fresh drink of water in, in, in an oasis after you've been yeah. desiccated for a yeah. while. <laughs> I mean, primarily just being in a room of people that know where you're coming from and you don't have to argue with and explain things to, they just kind of pick up on you because they know your energy. And on top of that, bringing that to a stage and playing because I mean, playing live is what it's all about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like writing music's wonderful, but like being on stage and being able to perform is the, is the main goal. Um, so being able to come back to that was
0: incredibly revitalizing. Hmm. Yeah. And in terms of like, uh, again, I know we've kind of touched upon like doing the one off shows and things, but like once you'd kind of come back and sort of started to sort of like, I guess, kind of get used to each other again and, th- and things like that, did you kind of go out and tour like the, the states and, and things like that? Or what, I mean, what was well, the kind of extent didn't, of. We
1: have the opportunity because I mean, we all have jobs, you know what I mean? It's like we still played out as much as possible, mm. play like two maybe three, I mean, three shows a month is a stretch, but we would play like uh, maybe two gigs a month, something like that. Uh, we'd open for bands and, you know, we'd set up our own shows and stuff like that. But the, the thing is, like, we all work. We all have right. nine to five jobs. So it's its like touring is not really a feasible option. I mean, mm. at this point, uh, granted, the pandemic clears up and we're able to go back to it, we'll make time for it, you know, yeah. but uh, because fires is a whole different animal. But, uh, you know, you know, when you're in a local band, it's just, you know, you may do with what you can, but uh, hmm. taking a week or two weeks off of work is not realistic.
0: So, yeah, no, that's fair enough. And then, so if we kind of shift into sort of stuff with, with fires in the distance, so obviously, there's a lot of kind of crossover in sort of members and and things like that. So the question I want to ask is when Fires kind of first started, was there overlap in the two bands or did kind of archaic stop and then Fires start? No, no, no. There was definitely an overlap, but both
1: were going on at the same time. So Mm. what happened was I wrote a song, um, which I didn't really designate to one or the other uh, back in 2016, but it was, uh, it was much slower. The song was Chained to the Earth and it was uh, it just didn't fit the archaic, I guess, narrative, if you will. And so I showed it to, uh, 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 you know, the singer of Archaic, Kyle, and um, the current uh, singer of Fires, Christian, you know, at, at different occasions. And I was like, hey, what do you think about this? And they were like, yeah, this is definitely not going to fit Archaic, but it's, you know, we, we should definitely do something with this. So I started writing, you know, more on my own for mm. fires while still working with Archaic. And uh, after I had maybe four, f- five songs, something like that, you know, I, cause uh, this the singer of Archaic Decapitator, Kyle Quinton, he was uh, the drummer in Archaic too, for a while before he started okay. vocals. So, and I, he's been and he was a drummer in engraved too. So, um, you know, I, I asked him, I was like, hey, you want to jump on this? It's kind of like melodic doom. Uh, you know, it's not like crazy, super blasty death metal stuff. And he was like, all right, sure. So uh, we kind of started that. Uh, we started off practicing with like three people. Um, and then you know, uh, Christian joined. Uh, Christian was a friend of mine from a long time ago Till we played in, you know, he had his own band, but you know, we're, we're, we're close friends over the years. And, Mm. um, you know, we just, we started practicing together without any particular goal, you know, like archaic was the main thing, but we're still like doing gigs and like actively promoting it and stuff like that. That was like the, the main band at the time, but we were like on the side doing fires because we all felt like it kind of had like a very unique spark and we wanted to see where it would go. Um, and then, you know, like Archaic kind of dissipated because after putting out our last album, there was just a lot of difficulty, uh, just keeping the project going. As far as like people having obligations and you know and things like that, so it that that band just kind of became more of a struggle to keep together than you know, and that outweighed the fun so right so i just kind of felt like i don't really want to do this anymore you know (laughs) yeah it sucked because the music was great and we all loved the music but it was like going to practice was a chore and you know when it comes when you when you start feeling like that that's that's when it's time to start reconsidering things
0: yeah yeah no i get that and obviously like you mentioned that you kind of had the the song that you weren't really sort of sure where it fit and i don't like again i could be creating a bit of my own narrative here a little bit but was there kind of like a sense that because i don't know maybe you, your writing style had changed or you'd kind of like were leaning more to that sort of like melodically sort of like doomier sort of style that wasn't necessarily at home with archaic stuff that that you were it subconsciously wanted to start a new project had you kind no, of always kind of thought at all that it, it just kind of happened man it was like uh
1: I, it, I don't always write music for, like, the bands that I'm in. Um, right, okay. I mean, I, I write the music for the bands, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> outside of that, sometimes I write music for myself. And yeah. it just happened to be something that, I was listening to a lot of Paradise Lost and a lot of, like, Swallow the Sun and Man-Eating Tree and stuff like that. And it was, I was just gaining, like, a lot of heavy influence from that and i was starting to partially get over the whole like intense fast melodic death metal fucking feel altogether. and it's just yeah. something that kind of happened you know what i mean maybe it's because i'm getting older i'm 33 now but uh you know in my in my 20s i was all about the blast beats and blah, blah blah it's great i mean to this day i still love it the pieces but thing is like as far as my personal writing it's like my mood definitely shifted and that's kind of how uh, chain to the earth kind of came about. I was just like feeling in a particularly like dreary kind of cold mood in place. And that just, that song just kind of came to be. So, mm. you know, it, and like I said, it didn't really fit the, uh, the, the structure of anything else that I was working on. So I, I kind of branched off into a whole new thing.
0: Yeah. And I think it's interesting that like, earlier you kind of said that in terms of your guitar playing, like you don't kind of see yourself as like a shredder or or anything like that. But the thing that I kind of like picked up on on the on the record that you guys have just put out is that even though it obviously has like clear like doom signposts and and things like that, like it's very kind of like riff heavy rather than it just being like, single tone, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I don't know, like, when you kind of, like, started to actually, like, flesh out the idea of what Fires would become, was that something that you wanted to bring into it, is that it would be a more guitar-led version of Doom Metal, if that makes sense? I guess so, yeah. uh,
1: I mean, this... Fires was never meant to have vocals at all. It was going to be an instrumental band. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's the vocals is just something that came by later and if i mean if you know i i haven't listened to the album in a while because honestly i i got so <laughs> burned out by it but I was, I was like fuck this don't put this down but uh as far <laughs> yeah, as vocals go there's they're really not super heavy they're more sporadic uh the the real focus of the songs is more on the melody and and the you know the piano and the synths and and the and the riffs like you said so like lyrics and and vocals is always something that is secondary to me like when i write yeah that's on the back burner it's not really all that important so um being the fact that you know this this band was initiated as an instrumental project uh yeah no it was it was definitely more you know riff and melody oriented than anything else
0: for sure Mm. So in terms of that, then, like, why did you want to introduce vocals? Um, because they, they kind
1: of fit, you know what I mean? It's it's a really good accent, and uh, my friend uh, Christian, that is the vocalist, um, he has a really like, I I admire his singing a lot, and I think he has a very unique, you know, vocal style, and it I it felt like it would kind of be a waste if we didn't use it. And uh, right. it would um, it, it definitely adds a good accent, if anything else, you know, to the rest of the band. It's definitely like Fires is not a vocally driven band whatsoever, and it's never going to be, you know. But mm. but it's a good uh, accent to to the to the feeling that we were putting putting out, you know what I mean. Kind of drives helps drive the point home. So.
0: Mm. And in terms of like you guys kind of like. Again, sort of like fleshing things out. I read. So you mentioned like chain of uh, chain to the earth was the kind of the first song, yep. and that was kind of the first song that you kind of put out into the world as well. So like, I re- I read somewhere that like literally just off the back of that, that obviously you kind of were already starting to pick up momentum. So was that the kind of the case that people heard that song and were. So it piqued people's interest and we're starting well, to talk about you. Well, no, I, I
1: di- we didn't really put out any music up until, you know, after we recorded the album. The, the way we started to pick up momentum is because I would share, you know, what I was writing with a couple of friends of mine, which were, you know, deeply entangled into the music scene here. Mm. They would hear it and then they would start talking to each other and spread the word blah 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 and they would be like yo you know my friend's starting this project it sounds fucking sick so um it was just kind of word of mouth really it's, and uh it was more of like a local hype because uh you know fires was kind of like a, a conjunction of like two fairly well-known local bands in connecticut yeah um and it was just like oh these two are getting together to put out something new And people would just talk about it you know and and like i said like i would i have like a select number of people that i share uh new music with all the time way before it's even out just to like bounce ideas off of and Hmm. things like that and uh that's kind of like where where the the hype kind of started picking up you know and we only put out uh you know music publicly uh last april or march something like that yeah so it was it was kind of like a long time coming, and then once it was actually public, it was like you know started picking up a little bit more
0: well, because the other thing because obviously like you mentioned there that the band was kind of coming together of these kind of like local sort of bands, but obviously now you're talking to to me who's on the other side of the Atlantic, and obviously like your music is being picked up by prosthetic and it's getting obviously a larger audience kind of thing. so. When did you kind of start to see that momentum shift that it kind of went outside of that Connecticut bubble and started drifting further afield into other countries and things like that? Um, Well, we worked with a
1: promoter that has always also worked with Archaic Decapitator. Um, and, you know, he helped us, uh, you know, release certain singles and certain songs, um, and push us to certain publications like uh, either Metal Injection or, or um, Decibel, you know, things like that, uh, mm. whatever his connections were. So, you know, once we would release a single or, or like, you know, Heavy Blog is Heavy or uh, Invisible Orange and stuff like that. So once you release a single uh, through those kinds of publications, you know, people start kind of like it starts spreading a little bit and people start yeah. hearing you a little more so. Um, that's when it kind of started to expand a little bit, you
0: know. And then in terms of the the record, obviously it's six songs, but they're all kind of... Lengthy. Yeah, substantial in length. But the the reason I kind of point that out is not just because it's a stereotypical sort of trope of like doom metal and things like that. But I think the the point I wanted to bring out is obviously the last song, um, Sundial is the shortest on, on the record. And I think that's kind of an interesting take is that you've got these songs that are seven, eight minutes long, kind of throughout the record, but then then end with your shortest song. So was that a conscious decision to kind of pick that as, as the closer?
1: Absolutely. Uh, that song is kind of an anomaly. It, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, I've had a lot of people ask me how it came together, what I was thinking about when I wrote it, and uh, frankly, I have no idea. It's just, uh, <laughs> it just—it just kind of happened. Um, and there's a reason why I didn't want any vocals on it, is because it's—you know—it it carries its own weight, um, and I think. It's uh, despite the kind of um, density of, of the other songs in the album, uh, the, uh, the sundial is definitely unique, uh, not just in its brevity but also in you know its its feeling. So, I've also I've always found in in many bands do this too. Like for example, Meshuga is really good at this. Like mm. th- I feel like they put their strongest track at the very end. And that is a very smart tactic because it uh, leaves something to be wanted. You know what I mean? It, it just, yeah, makes the listener, uh, you know, hungry for, for something else. So uh, that was kind of the idea for like uh, putting Sundial at the very end because I, I feel like, despite the fact that it's the shortest, it was, it's also one of the strongest ones that we have. So I um, mm. just wanted to close out the album with that because, um, I mean, I mean, obviously there's a lot more i'm working on a ton more stuff right now i already have three new songs written so um so i just kind of wanted to lead people off with uh, a little you know teaser i guess
0: yeah and i think it's interesting that you kind of say that kind of like almost kind of not necessarily saying leaving the best or last but sort of that kind of putting your your strongest foot forward in some aspect because so like for for my perspective like I'm very much into sort of a lot of like hardcore music and there's been bands this year specifically that have put out albums and they start with a really strong track but then end with a really strong track as well so I think like more bands are maybe making a conscious decision of how like not saying they haven't done in the in the past of how to format an album <coughs> but in terms of like how to close an album there might be more thought put into that nowadays where like especially where music is so accessible through like streaming and and things like that like you want people to be there for the whole journey whereas obviously like with spotify and where you can skip tracks quite easily can't you yeah so i think it's an interesting i don't again i don't know if like streaming was something that you kind of thought of but it's interesting that that was the the approach that you took when when coming to that decision I think, um, you know, picking on the,
1: uh, you know, the the order of tracks on an album is extremely vital too because if the flow of the record is disrupted, you know, then it just doesn't really come together really well. So, like, aligning, like, the six tracks that we have, like, picking the order for them was also a very conscious decision. Hmm.
0: And in terms of kind of, like, the... The body of the the materials again, like you've kind of either yourself or or your band members have kind of said in in other interviews or other pieces that the the kind of themes that run through it kind of do touch upon sort of a heavier subjects like obviously things to do with mental health and and mm-hmm. depression and things like that and I think obviously in twenty twenty we're kind of seeing a lot more kind of artists and musicians speak openly about these kind of things and. I don't want to kind of diminish what you're doing in any aspect, but I think it's quite interesting. Again, this might just be how I've perceived it, but so the artwork of your record kind of, for me, encapsulates what you're saying. And I think, like, without kind of digging deeper into to the meaning of the lyrics and so on and so forth like it's quite an open book in that aspect like you see the artwork and then you hear the music and it kind of you can make those connections of where the themes are coming from so i don't know did, did you kind of look at the overall package of like what you wanted this message to to portray absolutely i mean
1: I, uh, like i write the lyrics and i work with uh, our artists very closely on You know, uh, the cover art and things like that and what it's going to depict and the the cover art is, like you said, an encapsulation of all of the songs and the entire like sort of message and and across the board feeling of the whole album in in one, um, you know, compact picture. So, Mm. uh, yeah, no, it's, it's nothing. Nothing is random. You know what I mean? It's just it's all very calculated and thought out. So. And I, I'm glad you you drew a, a connection between the two because, you know, that's the whole point. <laughs> yeah.
0: And in terms of like, because obviously, as you say, you're the one that's kind of writing it, but you're not necessarily the one that's vocalizing these things. And obviously, when it comes to things like sort of mental health and depression, it can be a very personable experience and story to tell. So for you to then kind of like, hand this over to obviously i'm not obviously you trust christian and obviously he's to to put him in that position but is it a weird sensation to kind of like bear your soul in some aspects and then hand it over to someone else yes and no because
1: uh him and i are very close so we've uh always been intertwined with each other's lives you know for, for for a very long time so he's very well aware of where I'm coming from. And he also uh, relates to it a lot himself. Um, so I think he is able to vicariously uh, live out, you know, my feelings through my words on his own. Um, hmm. So he, you know, it's, it's nothing alien to him. And, yeah. you know, I feel like I tr- like, despite the fact that the the words that I write in these lyrics and you know the, the the melodies that i, I try to convey they're, they're all very personal to me but i try to also leave them very open-ended uh they're not meant to be taken literally obviously and it's i try to make it so that people can relate to them themselves in a sense mm. you know what i mean and just like uh take the words for what they are it's it's you know it's not the end product is not so much a personal story it is for me but at the same time i try to leave it as open-ended as possible to where people can you know kind of connect their own lives to it so
0: yeah and just in terms of kind of like on a broader scope and as i mentioned like in the day and age we are now like more people are talking about sort of mental health and, and depression and other sort of um mental health issues and things like that but I think, like for for years, like metal in general has kind of had a trope of being more metaphorical, or it's kind of but hasn't taken things necessarily too seriously in terms of like the lyrics of kind of about something or nothing. If that if that kind of makes sense, but obviously we're kind of starting to see this this shift, and I I don't want to say that that's the reason you've done it, but. I don't know like has your music always kind of have you always kind of erred on the side of caution of in terms of like wanting to be open or if you, you kind of always embrace that side of things no i mean
1: i i um i've always kind of done things the same way in archaic and in fires too it's uh i've never really you know erred on the side of caution um I guess I I don't know. It's uh, I've never really changed my my writing style from from my previous band to this one, so yeah. Um, it's just something that I guess people can correlate to uh, a little bit more considering the times that we're in, but that's it's it's not anything new for us, you know, it's uh, something that we've always done, so
0: Mm. and just in terms of like the kind of like relating to, to things, as I mentioned, obviously. People were starting to pick up a bit more on, on Fires than maybe they did archaic, like especially sort of in terms of a worldwide audience kind of thing. So, are you finding that people are kind of digging into the lyrics a bit more? I, I know, again, we've kind of mentioned that, that Fires isn't a lyric driven or vocal driven band, but obviously, there's parts of it that, that do stand out in terms of the lyrical content. Mm-hmm are you finding that people were kind of like connecting with that and reaching out to you and saying like, Oh, like I've kind of had these similar experiences. Oh, this is what I've kind of yeah, felt and, and ab- kind of giving you their perspectives. Absolutely.
1: Um, Not so much as far as specifics. I think I've mm. only had one person ask like, you know, what is this passage about? Um, But as far as people rich re- reaching out to us, like on our Instagram and, you know, our uh, personal messages and, you know, Facebook message, whatever, whatever it may be. uh, We definitely had a very sizable amount of people reach out and say like, hey, this music has really resonated with me. And Mm. like, it's kind of feeling what you were feeling. So, you know, picking up what you're putting down type of deal, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And obviously, like. uh, we mentioned kind of like right at the top of of this conversation that obviously an album being released in a time when we're having a massive pandemic that i i don't know i found talking to a lot of people like it has advantages and disadvantages in terms of people have more time on their hands so they are kind of absorbing a lot more music in terms of just sort of actually sitting down and listening to it but on the flip side we're not having the opportunity to go out and see these bands and and things like that, which is obviously incredibly frustrating for the musician and the fans. But have you kind of found that because because your music can be quite dense, and I mean that in in the best way, (laughs) but like, because of that, have you found that people, because they've got more time, have sat with this album a bit more and kind of let it soak in? the only thing I can say to that is
1: that I hope so. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I, 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 can't have a direct answer to that question, but it seems that way, you know what I mean? And despite the fact that, like you said, we're all very frustrated that we can't promote our art, uh, in a live setting and physically connect with our fans and shake hands, you know, and, uh, have dialogue face to face. Um, it's uh, i guess that's a double edged sword of this pandemic is that it it does give people more time to absorb you know uh, the music that that's that you're you're putting out you know so mm.
0: and i'd be remiss if i didn't mention it just because of in terms of where we are in the world and in the country in well in your country specifically at the moment but obviously you've recently had the, the US election and obviously everything that's kind of been going on over there so I just kind of wanted to get your perspective of how the land lies at the moment like what was how was the feeling over the last couple of weeks been with everything that's been going on
1: frankly man I, I try to stay out of it as much as possible <laughs> that's I, fair uh, enough. I, I don't have any political affiliations you know uh, with any of my music or, you know, my my artistic endeavors. Uh, it's it's been strange because uh, regardless of how many friends you have or how many people, you know, it's uh, you know, there's always going to be people on both sides of the aisle and they're always going to argue. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's still people. So I just I just try to stay out of the arguments. Uh, as far as the election, I don't know. It just happened uh, last week. So I know nothing about the new president's policy that's that's uh, remains to be seen. Um, I don't even know if he's made or done anything yet, so I guess we'll see over the next four years. Um, Yeah, but like I said, it's 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 not something that I want to affiliate my my music with at all. No, (laughs) it's it's that you can listen to like Rage Against the Machine or something. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah no, that's fair enough um and obviously you earlier you mentioned kind of like you've got some sort of like new stuff kind of written and and things like that so have you have you been using this time to u- utilize writing more stuff or i guess because even just in the short time that i've been speaking to you it um, sounds like not, you're constantly writing sort of not thing. so much differently than before because i i write
1: when you know when something comes up i never force write uh, right so okay it's uh if i've been thinking about an idea or something like because I, I mean sometimes i have writer's blog going on like six months where i don't put anything out at all you know because mm. i just don't have it and i'm luckily not on that much of a time you know f- frame or a pressured schedule where i have to uh but when something does come i i definitely run with it so i was fortunate enough over the last three four months to write three new songs uh, for the following album. So uh, when the next one is gonna come, I have no idea. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just when it when it comes, it comes, but I'm not gonna sit here and it's just not my process. Some people jam. Like I can't jam with people. I've been invited to many sessions, just like, hey come jam. I can't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I have to sit down and take what's in my head and transpose it onto the strings and record it and then you know i put it on my ipod i think i'm the only person that has an ipod still put it on my ipod and then like listen to it over and over and over and and make revisions and uh then i present it to the rest of the band Mm. so it's just like we, we don't show up to practice and just jam things out like i i take my time to like either go to somebody's house like either to christian's house or i have him come to my place or i go to craig's house and i i teach them what i have obviously after they've heard it and they're they agree that you know they want to learn it and so i teach them what i have and then we all show up to practice prepared you know yeah and, and we run through that because it, it, especially with having like back and tracks and sense and, and stuff like that like you know we, we all play to a click so it's just like you have to be you know ready we, we can't just show up and jam this kind of stuff so
0: mm. and in terms of like the the new stuff i know as you mentioned is kind of very early days and things like that but have you kind of been sort of thinking of like thematics that you want for the for the next run of material or is it a constantly evolving thing in the moment
1: no it's it's just my the songs that i write they they're a reflection of what i'm feeling in the moment right um once the whole thing is done i can kind of sit back and uh think about you know the theme that i'm gonna apply to it or just like think about the whole and you know what makes the most sense and then just go from there but i don't i don't plan things out like that far in advance no
0: no that's fair enough and just in terms of kind of like i guess the quote-unquote next step as, as you mentioned like you are writing new stuff and you said earlier if the opportunity for you guys to tour in the future comes up then obviously that's something that you'll you'll look into but have you guys spoken as a band of like what you'd like to do next or are you kind of just waiting to see where, where things go at the moment? I mean, we're, we're all focused on making
1: the fires, uh, the, the best possible thing that, that it can be. and like, uh, just ach- achieving as much as possible that, w- that we can with it. Um, as far as touring, when it comes up, we'll address it for sure. We've all spoken about it. And I think, we're all ready to make uh, certain uh, commitments and sacrifices that we have to make as far as uh, work and, and things like that and taking vacation time to make it happen because, I mean, frankly, this, this is our, all our childhood dreams that we're living out. So it's like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, it's like it, when the opportunity is in your lap, you don't just swipe it away. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll 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 make you know, the the right kinds of uh, adjustments that we need when the time comes up. But frankly, at this point, who knows when that's going to be? Um, you know, we had a, a decline in COVID um, over the last couple of months, and now we're seeing an uptick again. So, um, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen.
0: Mm. So. And how I always kind of like to, to round these off is to ask my guests um, what their favourite song is, but with a bit of a twist so it might be a bit difficult because obviously one, the albums then just come out and obviously two, we're not being able to play live shows at the moment, but we'll give it a go and see if you've got an answer anyway. <laughs> um, so what I like to ask is what's your favourite Fire song that you like to play live and why?
1: Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> God. well, we've only had an opportunity to play these songs live about three times. Yeah. But, uh, I think frankly that the opener, the climb is my favorite. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's, uh, it's, it, it kind of starts out a little bit slow, but it has that middle part that is just so bright. You know mm. what I mean? It, it just kind of, from what I've seen, uh, you know, in the crowd and stuff like that, it just kind of makes people look at the stage a little bit. So, and it's it's it just, it, it's a really good feeling when you play that part, you know, it's um,
0: kind of um, cathartic, so. Do, do you open the set with that song? Yes. I was going to say, because it's all like obviously on the record as well. It's kind of like a tone setter as well. Like. It is, yeah. So... Yeah, I can I can imagine that being like especially if somebody's coming to, to see you guys and hasn't maybe necessarily heard the record, then it kind of gives an intro of like, oh, this is what this band's about. Yeah, kind of absolutely, yeah. Perfect. Igor, thank you very much for, for your time. Really appreciate it. Um I think if people haven't heard the record, they should definitely go check it out. And yeah, hopefully we'll be hearing new stuff from you at some point and who knows in the future might even have you here in the UK when, when that's a possibility again. I really hope so, man. Perfect. You go. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks a lot, Tim. Take care. Cheers. Bye. So there we have it folks again, a huge thank you to you for taking some time to have a little chat with me. As I said, this was recorded, I think maybe back in like November Sort of time, maybe even earlier than that, my time frame is all over the shop. But I really appreciate him sitting down and having a chat with me and talking all things far in the distance. Um, as always, you can keep up to date with what the band are doing by vi- visiting their various social media platforms, which, as always, will have links in the episode notes. Um, but yeah, as we're kicking off a new year, I will reiterate what I always say if you enjoy what you're hearing, whether this is the first time you're listening to the show or the 176th time then please whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on give us a rating subscribe review it really really does help and like i want to i say this all the time but i really want to push this as much as possible get this out into as many ears as i can um and like i put a lot of hard work into this so i'm not gonna lie so it'd be nice to to see some newer listeners throughout 2021 um but i'm going to stop blabbering on as i mentioned at the top of the show find us on social media and all that lovely stuff just underscore and underscore insight that is it for another week thank you as always for stopping by the Justin insight podcast and i will see you soon